part of what surprised me about my course over time is what the actual transformation is and what transformations it provides because it ends up providing some transformations that I didn't even expect that it would. And now I know that through the course student feedback that I get regularly. But, you know, people liked the course in the beginning, but I don't think it was my best work in the beginning. And I think that that's very normal. Um, and I think that a lot of course creators don't realize that at the beginning, because in retrospect, it seems obvious to me that that's the way it's going to be. You're going to create something and then you're going to iterate. Um, but I don't think people realize that when they're first creating their first course. I think they think that it has to be perfect in the beginning or they think like this is the thing that I'm going to have to sell forever, right? And they don't necessarily <laughs> think about all the, the updates that they'll want to make over time as they gain more clarity in their own frameworks, as things change, et cetera. So. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Hello, today we're lucky enough to have Jana O, who is a marketing expert and Pinterest specialist for online coaches, course creators, and service providers in the house. She got started working online in 2016 as a virtual assistant. And upon discovering that a client was leveraging Pinterest to get leads and sell her services, Jana went all in on the platform. And so since then, she's developed a specialization in Pinterest marketing for lead generation. Now she helps her clients and students automate list growth so they can automate a steady stream of targeted leads for their courses and programs and set themselves up for long-term business success. And yes, she does that with Pinterest. She's on a mission to spread the word that when you're set up properly, Pinterest can attract soulmate clients with a small investment of time each month. Welcome, Jana. It's so uh, great to have you here. I know this is a great opportunity for me to get a chance to get to know you better because we've interacted a little bit online, but certainly not, not nearly enough. So thanks for agreeing to hop on here with me today and have a good conversation about courses and programs. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah. So why don't you just start by letting us know a little bit about what it is that you're currently doing in the course and program space? Do you have courses or programs or a bit of both? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'm a Pinterest marketing expert and educator, and I service primarily the coaches, course creators, service provider types. So there are a lot of kinds of businesses that do really well on Pinterest, product-based businesses, you know, prolific bloggers, et cetera. But my audience is really the infopreneurs, the people who are coaches, course creators, service providers. And so I really have three core offers in my business. It's kind of like that classic, you know, three core offer kind of model. Um, and they also are basically a DIY offer, a DWY offer, done with you offer which you, you don't hear that acronym quite as much no. or that abbreviation. Um, and then, a, you know, a DFY, a done for you offer. Um, so my business started out with my done for you offer. That was my signature service for many years. And that was basically rolling up my sleeves and creating a uh, strategic Pinterest profile, setting it up for an online coach, course creator, service provider. And that is still an offer that I have. 
but that's like a white glove done for you service and and incorporates training as well. And then my middle offer is an intensive where we roll up our sleeves and do it's the done with you. So we work on that type of thing together. Um, And then the offer that is really my signature service signature offer, I should say at this time is the course. So my course is Pinterest with purpose and it essentially takes the process that I have developed and refined over the years through the done for you offer and teaches the step-by-steps for how someone can DIY that process on their own for their own business and for their own Pinterest profile. Well, that's, that's awesome. I think when we met, it was when you sent me a little DM just to see about chatting about courses and the whole idea of doing a little bit of refinement work to your course. And while we didn't end up working together, I know we talked quite a bit about your course and the purpose behind it. So, you know, if you don't mind, could we dive in a little bit into sort of like what the process of deciding to create the course was like for you? And then, you know, what is your process for moving forward with your course when it comes to, you know, the different iterations that you've you've had? Because I know you've already done some refinement work. Yeah, for sure. So I created the course um, probably, I want to say about two and a half years ago, I would say. And at the time, you know, my goal really, I knew that my goal was to distill the process that I had developed and the framework I had developed into the course. I really jumped in, rolled up my sleeves, um, probably did a lot of recording before I did a lot of planning as far as really understanding what the journey would look like for the person who was taking the course in the beginning. And I think it ended up the first iteration of it was valuable, but it probably didn't have a sense, I think, for the students who took that course in the beginning, back when it was like $99, of really like where they would start and where they would finish. So I think that in retrospect, as a course taker, um, because I've taken a lot of courses as well, I love- Haven't um, we all? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just love the idea of, you know, if you wanna know how to do something, why try to figure it out yourself if there's someone who is already doing what you wanna do, right? Why not get into their brain and see their process? So I love courses. So as a course taker myself, You know, I think that taking courses and seeing how people kind of like gave me the framework in the beginning and showed me the journey we would go on and then took me on the journey, um, that probably wasn't what my course was like in the beginning. I think I had sort of just, you know, recorded the videos and just by through doing that, I think I did people take people on a journey, but it may not have seemed as intentional to the course taker in the beginning. And, you know, one of the things I think is important to realize is that even in the beginning, in the first iteration of the course, I, I got a ton of great feedback on it. People liked the course. I got lots of messages saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea how this worked and now I do. And um, that's a whole other conversation is really like kind of looking at what your course transformation is. And part of what surprised me about my course over time is what the actual transformation is and what transformations it provides, because it ends up providing some transformations that I didn't even expect that it would. And now I know that through the course student feedback that I get regularly. But, you know, people liked the course in the beginning, but I don't think it was my best work in the beginning. And I think that that's very normal. Um, And I think that a lot of course creators don't realize that at the beginning, because in retrospect, it seems obvious to me that that's the way it's going to be. You're going to create something and then you're going to iterate. But I don't think people realize that when they're first creating their first course. I think they think that it has to be perfect in the beginning or they think like, this is the thing that I'm going to have to sell forever, right? And they don't necessarily think about all the the updates that they'll want to make over time as they gain more clarity in their own frameworks, as things change, et cetera. So 
a little yeah. bit of like stream of consciousness answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, so true. I definitely think that perfectionism can create so many barriers for people and sometimes disappointments. Like you said, if, if you know, they get to the end of it and they realize that there's some things that they want to change, it, it's not a failure or a misstep to take that journey because that's part of the journey. It should be part of the journey. And so accepting that it, it is an iterative process, I think is really important. You have these different offers. The course itself, though, like you said that it is self-study. There, there's no like coaching or um, calls in for that at all. It's just strictly video and act, actions for them to take. It is, yeah. There are a couple of different places in the course that I've learned over time, just again through uh, student feedback where there are certain things that might be a little bit more challenging as far as the concepts or a little bit more challenging to apply to particular people's businesses. Um, and in particular, I'm thinking about keyword research right now because that can be a little vexing for people. Um, so there are opportunities throughout the course. Um, I guess just really two, not like they're not like peppered all throughout, but there are a couple of places where I offer as an opportunity for, for someone to get on a call with me. Um, and that, of course, you know, is a paid call. So that's where I'm offering either a strategy type of call or in the case of keyword research, they actually can, if they want my eyes on their business and my help with their keyword research, they can book that middle offer of mine, which is the intensive. So I, I think that's a really good model. It's been a good model for me because some people who take the course are able to fully DIY that part of it. And then there are others who get a little stuck. Um, and if they're stuck, there is this additional option to help them get unstuck. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think having those built-in feedback loops and and them just knowing that they can reach out if they need to. And and so you're using it as a, a bit of an, uh, an upsell, but really it is in support of their journey, right? So that people aren't, aren't getting stuck. And I yeah. really think yeah. that that's, that's great. One of the things that, you know, I get concerned about sometimes in, in the courses that I've bought is that there isn't really any opportunity for me to, to get that additional feedback if I need it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, you know, as somebody who really believes that in teaching, there needs to be some element of human interaction. I, I love that you offer that. And, and sometimes it is just the invitation that's needed. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to need it but I definitely think that that's a really neat model that you have there. Yeah. One other thing I'll just really men mention quickly too is occasionally I'll have someone uh, message me with a question that they want to ask um, and say, you know, I, I took your course, you know, can you, can you answer this question for me? Um, and I think that it's an interesting situation in those cases. I know I've interacted sometimes with people who create courses who don't respond to those kinds of messages um, I have, I, and I don't think that you necessarily have to, if it's not part of the course promise, right? I mean, if there's no one-to-one -one support, there's no one-to-one -one support. Um, I have offered that kind of help in the past. And then I also am very clear with myself about what the boundary is, you know, how much time I can spend answering a question like that before it becomes something where they need to book like a pick my brain call or whatnot. And then recently with the advent of clubhouse, um, I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse. I've seen you in there, Tracy. It's been really fun. Um, I've done this a couple of times too, and it's worked well where someone asks me a question and I say, you know, I don't have the time to get into that right now, but if you join me for one of my upcoming Clubhouse rooms, come on up to the stage and ask. Oh, and what a great idea. It's been really helpful because not only does it give them an opportunity to do that, 
Um, but then I have someone on stage who's telling others that they took my course, which is great. Um, and I have someone on stage who um, is creating content with me, right? Like literally is in that moment creating content that other people can benefit from. So if my boundary is I don't necessarily provide one-to-one -one support outside of the course without you paying me, I'm still not providing one-to-one -one support, right? Because I do have that person there um, and everyone in the room is benefiting from the question and answer. So it's really kind of an interesting way to do it. it One of the is. ways I, I think course creators can be using Clubhouse, by the way. Oh, thanks for sharing that tip. I think that's a really, really great one. And I think, you know, obviously Clubhouse is, is still fairly new to a lot of us and I've seen you in there. You're definitely attracting all the right people. You've got some great conversations going. And so this tip is really, you know, I think it's pretty fab actually. So thanks for sharing <laughs> that. I think too, like this idea of protecting your time and your personal boundaries is, is important. So the question itself that the student asks is going to offer you the opportunity to understand a little bit about where people might be getting stuck, particularly if it's asked multiple times, but you're, you're moving it from a one-to-one -to, -one to a one-to-many. So you're actually still achieving all of your goals. They get their question answered and you have that information for future as to how that might impact an iteration of that particular lesson or that particular module later on. So there could be missed opportunities if you didn't offer that. So that's great. Yeah, for sure. I think it'll be an even better strategy when Clubhouse obviously is more widely available to people. But yes, because right now you know it's only for iPhone users, et cetera. Sure. But I've got yeah. my eye on it for a long-term strategy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's great. So when we chatted about your course a little bit, are you comfortable with just talking a little bit about like why you reached out, thinking that yeah. you might need some help? And then I know you decided that you were going to go in a different direction and you did a lot of the refinement work on your own. If you could just talk a little bit about what were some of the things that made you wonder if you should do some refinement work before your next launch? And then what was your thought process when you decided to take a step back mm -hmm. and take a little bit of a different approach? Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally comfortable talking about that. Um, so at the time I knew that I needed to do some course updates and I think one of the questions that comes up and it comes up, I think for any course creator, but especially one like me who is basing their course on a platform that changes regularly. So any kind of social media platform, any kind of SaaS software, right? Something like that. There's always a little bit of a challenge with, or a balance of um, and there's a boundary to be drawn there too, by the way, speaking of boundaries about how often you're going to update the course. Are you going to update the course every time a button gets moved from one side to the other? Probably not. Right. So you have to kind of define for yourself how frequently and what types of changes are going to warrant course updates. And so I had gotten to the point where I knew it was time to do some course updates because I personally am committed to doing robust course updates at least twice per year with my course. And at the time, I was also taking a course, um, which, which included a group program as well. And the subject matter for the course was content creation and content management, essentially. And the course subject matter um, for this particular course that I was taking is extremely evergreen because it's a lot of teaching on strategy as opposed to teaching on particular platforms and mechanical things that need to get, you know, that you need to do like what buttons to push. And so this course that I took 
set out this really, really, really positive customer journey. Um, and it's an excellent model of a course that lays out the roadmap. Um, it's extremely polished. All of the videos in the course have worksheets that go along with them. All of the videos in the course um, have little, you know, introductions with a little musical introduction and the person, you know, it's like a little, I mean, everything about it was so polished, both, both aesthetically and in terms of the way it was organized and presented, um, just the fact that there were worksheets. And so I think I got in my head a little bit thinking that my course could and should be like that because I admired it so much. And in reality, when I really thought it through and you helped me to hold some space for thinking it through. So I really appreciate that time that we spent together. And by the way, if anyone is listening and needs some of your time, I wouldn't, I would tell them not to hesitate to book it because the clarity you gave me in that call was amazing. But I feel like I realized over time through the call that you and I had and, and many other decisions that I made and some journaling on my own and all these types of things, that there was kind of a middle ground that I wanted to strike. My course was not going to be and would never be like that course in that way. And I'll give you two examples of reasons why. The way she has her course laid out, it's like module, chapter, section. And at the beginning of each video, she says, welcome to module X, you know, section Y and video one or video three or video four. And the way that my course is now, um, because I'm teaching on Pinterest, which is a platform that's changing all the time, I need the flexibility to just very quickly be able to insert, you know, video five without having to make it like video 5.5, right? Or something like that. So that piece of it's not going to happen. And therefore, the roadmaps that are PDF'd out in the beginning and whatnot are not going to be possible for me. Um, so that's just one example. Another example is all of the very detailed worksheets. I do have some worksheets and templates in my course, but I realized um, when I was thinking it through that if I create worksheets for every chapter and every lesson, I'm also going to be in that situation when I add something in or when I pull a chapter out. For instance, I stopped teaching about hashtags on Pinterest altogether because they're an outdated strategy. But if I had, you know, bunch of PDFs created that are part of the course that have the hashtags in there, that's not going to serve my people at all because they're going to be very confused about where the hashtag video went, right? So it was just a different kind of course and I had to kind of come to terms with that and realize that. Um, and that was really sort of the decision, you know, that I made. I decided that the updates that I wanted to make were somewhere in between. Like I knew I need, I wanted to make some updates and some improvements, but I wasn't going to take the 10 steps back that I had imagined that I would when I was imagining that my course could potentially look and feel and be like this other course that I had taken and was taking that was amazing, but was based on all of these very evergreen concepts that don't change much. It was more strategy based and less, you know, push these buttons kind of based. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? Totally, totally makes sense. I, you know, I think you've touched on something really important is this idea of, of, not of recognizing that your topic or your, your content, the journey that you're taking people on isn't going to necessarily fit into the same format or framework as someone else's course. Yeah. And I do see this happening a lot. And if it's not at the detriment of the students, at the detriment of the creator, right? Because sometimes that limits your ability to really map a journey that's very specific to your topic, your content, your student, the comfort of trying something different and not having it look like everyone else's can sometimes 
be, you know, a real um, barrier for people. Sometimes that that limits their ability to feel like they're actually going to be able to to make an impact on people because it doesn't have all of the things that the ten other people that maybe you're you're um, trying to to use as sort of mentors or guides are are doing right. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think you just hit upon something that's important to kind of pull out and really um, spotlight, um, which is that even through all of this period where I'm thinking, oh, my course doesn't look and feel as good as this other one, or my course isn't as organized because I don't have this, you know, welcome to this module, this chapter and this video in this one, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this, right? Um, Even during all of this, I'm still getting so many messages from people saying how much they've learned from the course and, you know, how it's really helped them understand something that they didn't before. And people are filling out the Google form that I use to get course feedback toward the end. And I'm getting all this great feedback. And of all of the people who've taken my course, I've only ever gotten one piece of negative feedback from someone that had anything to do with the way that it was organized. And I don't know that that was super reasonable anyway, because of some other cues that I picked up from that individual. Um, But, you know, what you're saying is true. Um, It's really important, I think, to not get in your own way and let that type of thing get in your way of being able to serve people in the way that you're planning to with your course and that you are with your course. So yeah, totally. I think too, the the idea of um, making the process of course creation more efficient for you as the creator, like you identified right away, like if I want to make any edits or updates to this course and I, I might want to add a video, I might have to re-record other things. I'm going to have to continually update my PDFs. And so the forward thinking that you had there, I think is really critical probably to your your ability to not feel burnt out by the, the iterative process. Um, even as somebody who's, you know, taught in college classrooms every semester, I have to review the courses that I'm going to teach. I need to make sure that they're still current and relevant and that all of the resources that I'm using are the best resources to be using and that, you know, I need to understand how the industry, you know, that I'm teaching to, to prepare them for that industry has changed. It, it is a, it is a, a process and you want to do as little change as possible. And that's not because you don't care, but you really want to get to a point where the process of making changes doesn't feel heavy so that you can still enjoy the process. Because I think sometimes what happens, I see it in, in higher education as well and in the online space, people misunderstand how much time some of these things might take to do this really well, especially on the front end in the beginning. And it creates this sort of burnout, right? Be, you know, because they go full force. Um, and then when they realize that there's still more work to be done after even sometimes the first, second, or third iteration, um, it can, if you don't have a process for that, it can feel really heavy. And, mm. and you can start to build up a little bit of resentment as, uh, as a teacher. And I speak a lot from my own, own experiences there. Mm-hmm. So interesting. It's, the most important thing I think is, 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 keeping it as simple as you can from the start. And if you can identify already where you're going to run into some of these uh, challenges where you're going to potentially have to add content and you want to be able to just be able to slip it in, it's really important to do that. So, yeah. And do you have a particular framework that you use for that? Just out of curiosity, I haven't really talked to you about that, but as far as um, setting up a process to be able to regularly make updates. I think, I think for me, um, it, it has a lot more to do with looking at what 
the destination is and is the destination still the same Mm -hmm. and is the steps in the destination still the same. And if all of those things haven't changed, then for me, it's really like looking at it um, lesson by lesson. I really want to make sure that the, the, what, you know, the instructions are clear. I look back at past student feedback. Where were the questions from last term? Where was I frustrated when students were frustrated? And when I say I was frustrated, I'm just being really authentic. Like as a teacher, the frustration doesn't necessarily come from the five or six emails that you get on the same question about the same assignment. And you're like, it's clear to me, but it's clearly not clear to them. Mm. So, you know, while in, in the online space that, that where you're serving, there's not necessarily assignments that they're handing in this idea of the sticky points, you know, you get the best feedback from, from the people that you've taught that have walked before them. So, you know, really taking that to heart and recognizing that, what's clear to me may not be clear to them. So making those kinds of changes. Obviously, there has been times when I've taken over courses from other instructors or other professors where I've seen holes and gaps and challenges right from the start. And a lot of it has to do with it's at the foundation. So that might mean that there's not a lot of connection between certain things, like the journey isn't clear, what they're being tested or evaluated on doesn't really prove that they're actually able to do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've mm-hmm. seen this a lot. And one of the things that I've, I've been able to do in, in this audit process, and so this is one of the, the newer services that I'm offering is course audits, is being able to see gaps that other people can't see. And it's Mm -hmm. just the process that I work through with my instructional design background. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it really depends on which course I'm doing and and what my experience is. So if I'm new to the course and I'm taking over for someone else, what I, my approach is going to be different than if I've taught the course six or seven times. And I'm really just at the, at the point of really trying to just reduce the amount of time that I'm spending answering questions. So it is about the learner, but everything that I can do to benefit the learner is going to get them better results. It's going to reduce the amount of work that I have to do because they're going to have fewer questions. They're going to have fewer frustrations. They're going to submit better work, right? So the end result is going to be better. So all of those things are are just things that I have to consider through that process. So Mm -hmm. interesting. Thanks. Yeah. So you decided to sort of take a step back from all of that worry that you needed to make it look a certain way. So what did you do? What was your process for making decisions on where you were going to put some time in that refinement um, space? Yeah. Um, So I mean, just literally speaking, like I got a fresh notebook (laughs) Um, and I wrote course updates on the front um, and I started using stickies to just divide out the different times that I've been doing course updates. So essentially I started by literally going through the entire course, watching the course from beginning to end. Um, And I honestly watched it on like 2x speed, right? Because I don't necessarily need to like watch it on 1x speed. Um, although there were a couple of places where I would slow it down a little bit and took notes about, um, you know, in which exactly which modules, which chap, which chapters, and then which lessons within the chapters. Um, and at what points in the videos I wanted to make the changes. So I would actually write down like, you know, at six thirteen, I want to, you know, change something about this. 
And then that was a really good strategy because it was able, I was able to get a really good bird's eye view of all the changes that I needed to make and then, you know, kind of do them all strategically and record them all strategically. And that gave me a really good, good way to also know if it made more sense to just completely re-record a video um, or even maybe an entire chapter um, versus just, you know, slipping in a new video or a clarifying video as well. Um, because there's a lot of little choices to be made in those situations, especially again, you know, I, I feel like I'm special because I'm teaching a platform, which is Pinterest, that changes a lot. So you have to really be clear about, you know, what's going to necessitate a change. So that was my process really. And then I just went through and I made the changes that I wanted to make. And I think that the, I've, I've done, I think I've done two rounds of updates since our conversation. I did one at that, like around that time. And then I, I just did one. Yeah, I must have, because I just did another update just last week. Actually, I was going through and making some, some updates and re-recording a few videos. And then at some point, probably early next year, uh, I may even, or maybe toward the end of this year, I may actually even start from scratch and re-record, um, you know, some bigger sections. So I think it's really just a question of evaluating and making those decisions and then, then going back and systematically creating the content that's needed for the different areas. So that's what I did. Yeah, that's, that's a process in itself, isn't it? Um, I, think, I think this idea of deciding like what changes you need to make, there's a lot of questions that you have to ask when, when you recognize that there's a place where a change needs to be made, right? So whether that is, like, like you said, re-recording a whole video or just a, a piece of something or adding um, a resource, um, the things that we need to really be, be careful of is that we don't just get so focused on adding more because sometimes it's actually taking things away that actually make things more effective and just, I, you know, yeah. simplifying the process because many of us know like there's such a thing as cognitive overload where, you know, we can give them all the resources and readings and videos to watch in the world. But in the end, if they're just saturated with information and they still don't know how to take action, then we've kind of, we've lost them in the weeds, right? So mm -hmm. I think um, I'm for into me, that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you know, when I do an audit, one of the things that I also look at, whether it's I'm auditing my own stuff or someone else's, is really the strengths of it too. Like, what do we want to keep? What's really working? Can that be as informative as identifying where those sticky points are? So we do tend to focus on what do I need to change? But also it can be like, what do I need to keep and enhance? So there might be something that's actually really good, but could it be even better. And, and you touched on that at the beginning of the interview. You said, I had a good course. You know, you recognize that there were still some, some things that you wanted to do um, to take it to that next level. And so yeah. the process that, you know, I often take my clients through is they all say the same things. I have a good course here. People are buying it. People are getting results. I see places in there where I could potentially make some, some adjustments because I still feel like there's certain things that aren't landing as much as I would like, or the results are inconsistent in certain places. But it process really for me is also very strength based. It's like, okay, what's already working? What aren't we mm. going to touch? Um, and then also focusing, of course, on the areas that need that that refinement because the fear people have when they hire someone or they get help with this, whether it's a friend or, you know, um, someone else on their team, this idea of someone critiquing their work can sometimes bring up some, some fears and resistance, right? Because it's like your baby, right? Um, and so if someone starts to 
critique your baby, that can create a whole range of emotions. So there can be some resistance for people. So I really yeah. try to start with strength first and would encourage anyone who's doing that for themselves to do like a strength-based assessment first and then look at those other pieces. So yeah, I agree with that. I really do. And I love hearing you put it to words because um, if you look back at that notebook that I have with all the little stickies in it, sort of dividing out, you know, the different times that I went through and did updates, you'll notice a lot of notes next to certain pieces saying, oh, this is so good. And, you know, the part that about this and this is, is just, you know, really perfect. Don't touch that. And I think I, I wrote those notes to myself in the beginning just to really prop myself up and make sure that I was taking that strength, strengths-based approach, although I didn't know to call it that. Um, and it made a big difference on my mindset as I was making those decisions and then actually re-recording the material as well. And I remember having a conversation with my business coach at the time and just telling her, you know, one of the things that I have as like a major takeaway from doing all these course updates over the last, you know, three days that I spent doing them is that I'm really, really good at doing this. Like I'm a really good teacher <laughs> and her saying, I'm so glad that you, that was one of your main takeaways. Um, so I love that you're saying that because I think that is an important part of that process is like you said, recognizing what's really good already um, yeah. and giving yourself credit for it. You know? I'm glad to hear that you use that process and you didn't really even understand the value for your, it was just natural for you to do that. And, and um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to, to chat about that. I remember when we were chatting though, you, you did talk a little bit about perfectionism and, and um, you know, the, the, the challenges that you had sometimes with this, this worry about being compared to others. And do you have any advice for anybody who's feeling like they're, they're maybe not sure that they are ready to, to launch because they're sort of stuck and is it good enough? Yeah, that's such a, it really is something that I know a lot of people struggle with and I have struggled with it on and off. I think I've gotten better at it, but you know, it's just really important when you're first starting to, you know, just get into action and create your course. For me, I know just the creation of it created a lot of clarity for me, not just around the course itself, but really around my framework. Um, creating the course kind of forced me to uh, really put words to and put labels on what my framework was. And so just by creating the content, you get a lot of clarity. And again, I'll just come back to the idea to remind people that right away, even after my first iteration, I started getting really good feedback from people. And when I say good feedback, I don't mean just people saying like, oh yeah, that was a really good course. Thanks. I mean, pe like people taking it and saying things like, I literally had no idea how to use Pinterest and, you know, now I do. And that is my big transformation. And I kind of alluded to this earlier in our conversation, but for me, the transformation is going from not having a Pinterest profile at all or having one that's really messy that you don't know how to use for business to having a fully optimized Pinterest profile that can now generate leads for you. And that for me is the course promise. And that's what I want the transformation to be. And it is. But like I said, there are other transformations. And I was just really bowled over by how many people just said, thank you so much for just showing me how this darn thing works because I never <laughs> knew before, you know? And that's a little bit of a different transformation. But anyway, just kind of coming back to the idea that there are people out there who you can help. And I've heard other course creation coaches say this before, like don't hesitate to create your course because there are people out there that need it. But truly, um, there really are. And so I'm not sure how I can really bring that to life for people other than just to say that, you know, I got a message a couple of days ago from 
um, a woman who was saying, you know, that she's a single mom of an autistic son and creating this course, actually creating her course and learning how to promote it using, using Pinterest. This is kind of meta, but she has a painting course, um, has, has just, you know, freed her, freed her up to be able to spend more time with her family and learning to use Pinterest so that she could start generating leads on Pinterest and growing her email list of Pinterest has contributed to that. And so think about like, really think about the people. The only way to start really understanding who you're going to impact and how you're going to impact them is to get into action and create it and get it out there for people. But just trust me when I say there are people out there who will come to you and say, you know, this is my lived experience and this is how your course, you know, made my life a little bit better, my business a little bit better, you know, gave me this, you know, small amount of extra time to spend with my family, uh, you know, helped me make money that I needed for, you know, a new roof on our house or, you know, whatever those things are, there are real people out there who really truly do have a need for the information that you can share. Um, and then I guess really quickly, the other thing that just kind of occurred to me too, I think it's really important. And, you know, we hear this from coaches a lot too, but I think it's really important to remember that very frequently the things that come really easily to us don't come easily to other people. And so when you're first creating your course or when you're improving upon what you have already, I think it's really important for us to keep that in mind. It helps us to remember to keep things simple because teaching what we know in a simple way to us may not seem like it's a mind blow, but to the people who take the course, it can be really mind blowing to really just learn this thing that comes easily to you that didn't come easily to them before. And now they understand it. And that's sort of related to that extra little transformation that I didn't expect that I, I hear from people all the time in terms of the feedback that I get on the course. Um, so hopefully that all makes sense. So like I, I'm kind of rambling, doing a little bit of uh, what is it? Just free association here with you, Tracy. But yeah, no, no, I, I'm. I think the conversation that we're having is really important for people to hear, and because perfectionism can have crop up at all different kind times, and it can stall us from just taking risks. Like even in the iterative process, you've already launched, but you know you're looking at it through a new lens. Maybe you're trying to shorten the distance from point A to point B. You want it to be more effectively designed and efficiently delivered. Like you you know, sometimes you can get stuck in indecision because you're worried about like what happens if, if the change that I make doesn't actually have the impact that I want it to have. And so I see this with my clients, you know, they, the, is this the right way to, to do it? Or is that the right way to do it? Sometimes you just have to pick a way, <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> like, go forward with it. Right. So, yeah, totally. um, so that you're not really sort of stuck in this process of, of indecision or, or um, worry about what the outcome is going to be. So I think first thing for me, I always say to people is you're asking all the right questions. So you're, the fact that you're asking and you're willing to take the time to even walk these steps tells me what you value and that you're, you're not here just to, you know, see the, the transaction happened in your PayPal account that you really want to, to impact people and, and most do. I think that the space that we're in is just full of so many people that do have lots to offer. Like you said, the smallest transformation can sometimes be the most impactful transformation. And I think we're just in this really great space and that's why I like hanging out with people like you. <laughs> um, Thanks. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online so that if they're interested in checking out your Pinterest course or some of your other services, they know where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website, which is janaomedia.com. Um, and if anyone's interested in getting started with their Pinterest profile, um, if they're 
wanting to get started or want to clean up their profile so they can start using it more intentionally to actually uh, generate leads for their coaching programs or grow their email list for their courses. Um, I have a free quick start checklist that you can get if you go to janaomedia.com forward slash Pinterest checklist. No spaces. You can grab that there um, and it'll get you started. And what about Clubhouse? How can they find you there? Because that is like a hop in place. And I, I know you're, you're popping up all over the place in there. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time in there and really enjoying it and seeing um, just so many benefits from it, both tangible and, um, you know, intangible. Um, one of those intangible benefits, by the way, has just been gaining a lot of clarity about what people need and want. Um, just all the social listening and the opportunities to hear people's questions in their own words. So it's really valuable. But um, yeah, you can follow me over there. I am the same handle as everywhere else, which is at Jenna O Media. And I am the co-founder of the Profitable Pinterest Marketing Club inside Clubhouse as well. Um, so if anyone's interested in Pinterest or looking to up-level their strategy that they already have or looking to get started, or even if they're just Pinterest curious, they can come on over and follow me there and then join that club for regular programming to learn more about it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and um, we'll uh, be sure to catch up soon. All right. Thanks for having me. This was great. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.